on the epithets for Nibbana. So the Nibbana is called the difficult to describe. But one of the epithets for it is Kema, which means the safe, the secure. This is your security. Seem kind of figurative, but actually, um, that's what it's meant. <laughs> safe and secure. This is sublime. This is peaceful. The stilling of all sankharas. The relinquishment of all self-forming tendencies. The destruction of craving. <clears throat> dispassion ceasing nibbana this is sublime, this is peaceful this is something that a human being said uh, a person uh, subject to ageing sickness and death very aware of that mm. it's a threat to all kinds of the you know, the fragile um, experience of being mortally or within a mortal vulnerable form this is sublime this is peaceful stilling of all formations the relinquishment of all self-forming tendencies the destruction of craving dispassion ceasing nibbana nibbana the secure So there's a process in there, isn't there? It's this sort of described. You can get a sense of a wave. The language moves through a wave of of uh, references. Mm-hmm. And there's a, this is always all the practices are always described in some kind of path way. Yeah, it's never oh, just get this one thing. That's it. It's always this to that to this to that to this to that. You know, starting from this. Movement to that, to that, to that, to that, to that. And uh, one can, as you cultivate, hopefully, and uh, you get some inclination to where there is furthering for in your own experience, furthering your own experience. Uh, uh, I, if it's if it's going in accordance with the, the practice. There will be a quality of calming, a quality of releasing, a quality of letting go, a quality of opening, a quality of something softer, less reactive, less constricted, less angular, less tense, less jumpy. You know, it's going to come into so there's that movement. Now, this is something I hope you you can know for yourself. You know, you may feel a bit boggled by some of these terms. What's that in the barn? What's that? But just get a sense of, you see the movement. What is that movement? And can you trust that movement? That movement towards something more, uh, less angular, less rigid, less held, less tense, something softer, opener. The deeper you go, the lighter it gets. It doesn't get more hard. It doesn't get more, you know, of that quality. It goes the other way, it goes lighter. The deeper you go, the lighter it gets. 
and this lightness of being there's a softness of being a lightness of being and there's a particular quality of energy that occurs with that normally that energy is very much associated with some kind of power loosely speaking the power to think the power to get things done <coughs> physical power muscle power willpower <coughs> power to direct power to make things happen power to steer to control to calculate to avoid to you know I'm not saying power is you know these aren't evil things but it's just that's that's there's that isn't there the power to make something happen the power to organize things it requires a particular kind of energy and if you look at that energy feel that energy any respect whether it's for good intention or whatever what is it like it's a gathering and a firming up isn't it into something finite and specific and pointed this is my aim and I've been asking or encouraging people in, in practice to cultivate really, fir- you know, when we're doing Qigong, for example, just really firming everything up into one tight point, like you're shooting an arrow, you know, so it's very sharp. And then releasing it consciously. And then fully sh- extending it. And then releasing it. And then fully extending it. And then releasing it. And then just pause. What's the effect? Things are quite, hopefully, if it's working, there's a sense of vitality. Mm. But it's not going anywhere, it's just there. Mm. It's the energy of release. <coughs> the energy of release. So release is not just an idea. It's not a, a compulsion. You have to release. You have to let go. Come on, let go. <laughs> release is an energy certain spreading, diffusing, suffusive energy is an energy form. If you follow it, it begins to touch the places where, either in your body, your mind, attitudes, where there's still that sense of uncertainty, holding, nervousness, got to, and just breathing the release, letting the release energy go towards that, it begins to just melt it accept it you know it's not even that we shouldn't have you know things we need to do or boundaries but okay that's part of it it doesn't become hardened mm-hmm. and so there's this permeation uh, of the re- energy of release and it is a property called the deathless element <coughs> so you know that, that little phrase I've recited you one turn the meditator that turns their attention away from these states, these material states, these, these states of this, that, this, that, and attends to the deathless element, reflecting thus, this is sublime, this is peaceful, the stilling formations, stilling of sankaras, activities, activations, not fighting them, not blaming them, not being frustrated by them, just the gentle soothing, not right now, pause, soften. Mm. 
the relinquishment of the self-forming tendency. It, now you don't have to be, make, defend, prove, understand, analyze, win, lose, check it. <laughs> you just don't have to. For this particular, in this particular mode of, of experience, this is the, this is the, the property. This is the movement, and you know, just to touch into that, into that movement, uh, because you know, you, for sure, it's not going to. You can always pull out of it. <laughs> You're not going to find yourself helplessly stuck in in nibbana, <laughs> <coughs> unable to function anymore. <laughs> the Buddha certainly seemed to be able to function rather well. You know, lived 50 years on the road in India, and you could have something together to do that. <laughs> and uh, you know, still going strong at 80. And, you know, living out totally vulnerable. You know, just the three robes, both, that's it. I mean, you can't get much more vulnerable than that. And <laughs> just able to, you yeah. So, he didn't regret it. <laughs> I don't think he said, oh, dang, <laughs> I should have become a computer salesman instead. <laughs> so, more useful. <laughs> so there's a particular energy that itself is its own protection. Yeah. Because you, you feel that quality of, of something alive, vital, and it's... Uh, yeah, you can trust this in this in this domain, mm. deathless element, sublime, peaceful, stilling of all form of all sankara, the relinquishment of all self-forming tendencies. You don't have to knot up around it, you don't have to claim it, achieve it, state you've got it, put your flag on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just that, just, and then the, the destruction of craving. Very, that's a very strong word, but it's this craving to be, and craving itself is, is, is not just the kind of wild, lip-smacking, kind of lust after booze or sex or something. It's just this incessant nagging, of, to be, to be, to make, to have, to own, to to know. You know, it's a kind of thirst to fill up with something you know something material and the immaterial is far more um, vast than the, the material you know so people are very limited uh, potential for craving generally try to do it with the material thing for the immaterial knowledge understanding uh, you know, uh, acclaim, prowess, achievement. These, these are. This is really. Just, this, just, there isn't that. Just feel the that this is uh, always the hung, the hunger to fill, and let yourself be filled with this deathless property instead, rather than this thing that's trying to fill a hole that isn't there. We sense a hole. We sense some sort of vacuity or lack, but actually, the funny thing about craving is not a lack; it's a presence. We think it's a, it feels like something I haven't got, but it's something we do have. 
You know, it may seem like an emptiness that needs to be filled, but actually it's a block that's sitting there somewhere in one's energy field, in one's heart. It's a, it's a lump. You know? It's not an absence that needs to be filled. So, because you recognise, no matter what, how much stuff you chuck into that apparent hole, it doesn't close up because it's not a hole. Actually, but as it's a lump, the more stuff you throw into it, the bigger and the thicker it gets. Isn't that right? Isn't that what addiction is? <coughs> you know? Oh, if I get one of those, I'll be all right. Oh, that was great. I can have another one. <laughs> and next, and you, we people, human beings, build up these addictive habits. And if, if, if you, you know, and it just gets bigger and bigger. And all the time there's the... the kind of some reflex saying you need some more to fill up so have another one or get one of these or you know that that's the it's not a thought it may come up as a thought but there's this instinct this twitch reflex to pull more in and the more you pull in the bigger that cloggy stuck lump gets and we still keep reading it as a whole that you could fill up, throw another motorbike in there, throw a yacht in there, <laughs> throw something else in there, throw a few people in there. <laughs> no, no, not enough yet, because it can't be filled, because it isn't a hole, it's a, it's a block. And so it's this kind of like re reviewing, reviewing. Look at it again. How do you sense craving? You must know this experience. You know, whatever the objects are, you don't have to feel guilty or embarrassed. It's a standard thing that human beings find themselves feeling hungry for. You know, how does it feel? It feels like a pulling, kind of turning, or uh, a sort of restrictive sense. Not en- I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Seen from the self viewpoint, I'm not enough. It means I'm not stuck enough yet, because the self view is is the stuck. You know, is is a, is a coagulation of energy. So I need to be even more stuck. Is what it's saying in its own strange way. So there, you know, so stick another thing on top of myself. You know, put another coat on top of it, another doodad, another something on top of it. Yeah, that's right. It works every time. Perfect, works every time. You get thicker and stucker and denser every time. It doesn't fail. If you look at it as, 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 in, as in the fulfilment of that. But, so this is, makes me feel more solid, a bit more, you know, here, a bit more solid, a bit more formed, you know, I've got my feel-good stuff around me, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kitted, you know, <laughs> kitted out with my feel-good stuff. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm pretty solid now, but just a little bit more would be good, just to make sure. Yeah. So that's the way it goes. Yeah, of course you're solid. 
bit so solid you can hardly move you're like a rock <laughs> and it's <laughs> and it sits inside and you wonder where, where did the where did the lightness go the joyfulness go or perhaps we've forgotten it assume that was something feeble or inadequate or weak or <coughs> childlike or but you know nothing really that important mm-hmm. so the whole process gets so kind of you know, dense. And it doesn't give one security. Because the more you have, the more to look after, the more to lose, the more to sense, compare yourself with other people's gear, kit, the more that goes. Doesn't grant security, peace. And on the material level, we, you know, there are things we can do. You know, using just view, you begin to recognise, yeah, that thing. Yeah, actually, it's going to go in a week's time. It's going to finish in a year's time. It's going to break down. It's going to rust. It's going to fall apart. Is it really? So you start to look at some of the material objects that one gets. Kind of uh, the glow comes. The hypnotic glow comes to. Uh, yeah. And you start to pull back from that. Wait a minute, I haven't been here before. Uh, no, it, it just yeah, it's kind of nice for a while, but then it then it finishes. It, it breaks up. It ages. It fails sooner or later. It gets stolen. <laughs> falls apart. So we start to review material objects in such a way. The immaterial, of course, is is much more difficult. To, in some ways, but just noticing, you know, more consciously the you know reward, praise, success, whenever that happens, if it happens, okay. And now what? Next achievement. Hold your position against the competition. You know, make sure that you know you're on an upward movement. That kind of thing. How seducible we are with the. Um, temptations to be a bit higher up the ladder somewhere, more acclaimed, even to ourselves. Uh, uh, so we see this, this, no, that's not getting there, it's not taking me where I want to go, is it? It's getting me more narrow, <coughs> more precarious. Clearly, you know, you can see with, uh, if you're an athlete or something, well, how long can can you be number one if you ever get there before you beat your body to to shreds? (laughs) Or you get, you know, the inevitable ageing process takes over, clearly. And is that, what's it like? Second, third, fourth, fourth. Even, uh, you know, sublime meditation states, per se, states are generally, can be very helpful, because they, op- they open us up, they can open us up. But remember, the state itself, there's a tendency to, to pass, to change. You want to stay with the openness. No, you know, state may have helped an openness, you know, but... You want to stay, try to also acknowledge the result of that state. If it's a skillful state, it causes less of me, less of that, 
less of that and really get to understand the energy of, of releasing. Because this one, the point about it is it doesn't have to die. It doesn't have, it's what's called the deathless element. It doesn't have, it's not subject to, to change, diminution, <coughs> ending uh, in, in that respect. It's called the deathless property. We don't, there's no end to it. It doesn't doesn't have those kind of qualities to it. As it said, you know, how how can that which is not born ever die? This is perhaps poetic, or something we just hmm, interesting phrase. Well, what that means, but just to you know, the Buddha seemed to refer to it in such in such <coughs> ways. A deathless property, the energy of releasing. We might even feel energy is perhaps too strong a word for it. The potency, the element of release, as a definite, experienceable quality, and it has effects <coughs> on one's um, energy tissues, if you like, which can be seem you can feel quite tight, compacted, or shaky, and sense of the energies begins to open and flow more, more peacefully, more, more fluidly, You're not so jumpy and jerky. So, you know, there's a property there that's, that inclines towards that, and with that, the satisfaction in that, the satisfaction in that means there's no room for craving because the block has been washed out, blown out, cleared, yeah. and by and large, these, this block, this lump of craving. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily all go in one shot, but there's particular features of it that begin to disintegrate, break up. The craving to be this person, mm. craving for material things, the craving for um, systems and structures to find the right thing to do, to get it right, essentially. Craving to get it right. So that if I get it right, I'll be secure. No, you won't. You get it right, you'll still be in that state of worrying about getting it wrong. <laughs> so, you know, this is called attachment to systems and structures, and it's some systems and customs. It's something that all human beings experience. Uh, the way it's translated, rites and rituals, makes it sound like you're attached to worshiping Vishnu or um, voodoo dancing. No, it's is something much more fundamental than that, which is, is our attachment to structure, to systems, to customs. And this doesn't just mean, you know, Easter Day or Christmas, it's the whole sense of wanting to get it right, uh, get the right way of doing something. And increasingly you see this is a fallacy. There's no right way. There's appropriate according to time and place. There's that which fits, that which is suitable right now. But there's nothing really right and there's nothing really wrong you know, in this sense. Clearly there are such things as morally unsuitable and morally suitable. But this is another level. This is much more just about the way one organises. You know. And organisation, remember, is not just about you know, arranging your daily schedule, it means organising with this kind of belief system 
of of right and wrong. And and this is, again, this is not a thought. It may come up as thought. It's it's a reflex of nervousness. Uh, And and around that self-criticism occurs because you're always getting it wrong or you could get it wrong. So that, that nerve still remains potent. And there's craving in there that we might not see it. The craving, if I get it right, I'll be secure. I'll be free from blame. I'll, I'll succeed. I'll be okay. People will like me. I'll feel comfortable. I won't be accused or whatever. No, not true. You will accuse yourself, for sure. <laughs> if nobody else does. So this is a, called the, the second fetter. First fetter is just really imagining that this kind of contracted sense of the person is some fundamental real thing that I am, rather than something that forms and occupies attention for appropriate purposes. And you don't want to get it too tight knotted because it becomes less less appropriate, more inflexible. If a person is supposed to be the interface between this heart and the world outside, you want to make it something that can actually can, can adapt to circumstances, don't you? Don't you? You know, you, you want to meet something as, as a suitable interface, you want to have it something that can flex and adjust according to what um, is going on. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether it's time to be firm or soft or don't know or open or clear or move forward or move forward. you want something that does that you don't want it like like a rigid i am this i can only do it this way this is my terms you know i'm sorry about that but you have to accept me as i am because i'm like this and <laughs> <woo>. <laughs> you know, uh, that that kind of quality that person maybe feels they're a very firm confident person <laughs> it's all upside down You know, the dominators are like that. But they're not firm, confident people, they're completely hollow. Uh, there's no, they've lost their life. They've lost their their life, their joy, their lightness, their openness, it's gone. The beauty is gone. What's left is a set of armour. Craving. Mm. Mm. Craving to get it right, doubt, uncertainty, mm. wavering, havering, in terms of uh, Dhamma. Mm. Will this work for me? Can I do this? Can I do this? No, of course you can't do it. It, it, it works, but you can't do it. You, you just have to put your boat in the stream, give it a little tap, yeah, and just flow in that rather wobbly zigzag line, and just recognize if it's flowing, opening, releasing, the landscape you pass through may be strange, may be weird, may be occasionally terrifying, stay in the stream. You pass through these landscapes, your inner landscapes of, well, you know what they are. 
stay in the stream. Then you're someone who's called someone who's entered the stream. And this is a big, big lump that has got blown out. Big contracting lump of thing that cripples you, cripples you, has been blown out. How wonderful. And the Buddha said this, you know, if you if you do this you've done most of your work. You've like you because you know you know what the what the property of release is. You know, you may not be able to figure it in your head, but something in you knows there is this property of release. It takes me through some funny landscapes, but I have to trust it because that's what it's you know. So you know that, you have confidence in that. So, so he says, you know, this is the main thing, even though, you know, there's, there's other stuff to do. If you get this one, then at least you know what the path is. Not as an idea or a set of uh, a credo, but as an energetic movement that is very much in you, you're with. It's not something that has to be learned. You're with it, you become more dexterous. You feel, uh, you know, more spacious, more full, not more empty, but more full of something quite beautiful. And that's, that's it, really. And then if you be with that and just trust that and start to keep looking at the finer points where naturally one there's some snagging, you know. Getting attached to meditation states, you know, subtle states, sublime states. Feeling a sense of uh, defensiveness, irritation on a subtle level. Resistance, favouring and opposing. Favouring and opposing. And this is the source of what's called you know, mental feeling, mental vedana, mental feeling, is the act comes from the action of favouring and opposing. Now, you know, why does the mind, why does the mind feel anything? Nobody really sticks a, an arrow in my mind, do they? No one really, you know, twists my mind's nose or, or you know... <laughs> My mind doesn't have a nose, but sometimes it feels like it. You know, somebody's got up my nose, you say. Don't they get up your nose? I can't see everybody up there. <laughs> you feel like, well, he just did, you know, he did a number on me. Get off my back. I can't see you in your back. Get off my back. Because <laughs> why does it feel like that? You know? yeah. So, you know, we assume that, that, that that's, well, naturally, you know, somebody did this or said that or didn't do this, or we imagine they did, or we remember occasion when we think they did it in the past, or we even imagine they might be about to do it <laughs> in the future if you don't watch out. Where's that? When you see how much mental feeling can be created around something that never happened, could happen, or something that happened like five years ago? Well, where's that? Because it's so normal for us, we, we yeah, of course, of course it's still there. Why? Why should it still be there? 
It's maybe mysterious. And we may say, well, of course, because it still causes me, has it still caused me pain? I know the experience. I'm very familiar with that. And essentially what I've begun to get some understanding of, it's because I, I, I oppose, something in me opposes that wave of grief or hurt. doesn't want it. Why should I want it? And that means it sticks. Opposing resistance. On a, on a mental level. Clearly, you know, these bodies we do, we should, you know, resist dangerous phenomena with these bodies. But in the mind, you can't. If you do that, you, you, you just, you stick it. It's like if an arrow sticks in your heart and you close it, that arrow stays there. Because your heart's locked it in. That's why one, one can be, yeah, still in the grief state. Because, you know, that, the, the heart is closed around the arrow. And I, I sympathise. It's not that that's unknown to me. It's not that it's easy. But to be ruthlessly pragmatic about it, if you want that to, to, cut, to stop, you've got to open the heart till the arrow falls out. You can't stop it anymore. And so what's, you know, instead of going on and on, proliferating all the narratives, feeling your energies go through the same patterns of uh, restriction and blame and tension and why should, and all that kind of stuff. You've got to break that cycle and go directly, softly, gently, openly, willing to be hurt. If yeah, and if you're willing to be hurt, you won't get damaged. That's that's the point of it. We will be hurt, probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's using very coarse language, but we will we will be affected, yeah. and, and until you know, until the last elements of those self-forming tendencies have, have finished. So, you know, if we are learners still with work to do, we can recognise: yes, I will be hurt, but I will not be broken. I will not tighten, I will not constrict, I will not retain that hurt for years stuck, an arrow stuck in the heart I will allow myself to experience that as the feeling this is the feeling and whatever the body does with that sometimes the body produces tears or so what's such a rotten what's so wrong with that it's another form of fluid (laughs) 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 which this body seems quite good at doing (laughs) so yeah then this where what's called uh, so that, that willing allowing that so 
actually, you know, the, what prevents it is the sense of if that if this touches me, I'll crumble, I'll be broken, I'll be weak, I'll be pathetic, I'll be feeble, I'll be shattered. That that's the mythology of it. Just like in the mythology of craving, that's what keeps it. That's what keeps it so tight. We believe in the in the in the murmuring, the instinctive murmuring. And we have to move against that. The courage, confidence, go into it. You know. When you have the resource, when you've begun to, and this is the, the beauty of meditation, as we cultivate and we're beginning to experience and feel more trust and confidence in the quality, in this subtle, I call it energy, property of release, you're trusting, okay, 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 I'll do it to that too. And you turn to the place which has been difficult, stuck, but now instead of going into it, you stay there with that, and as I say, breathing into the difficult piece, the stuck piece, the hurt piece, the defended piece. I say breathing into because that's my language. Essentially, I'm just using breath or breathing energy as a, as a sense of that which can, can move this property in particular directions. But sometimes it just happens by itself. You're just sitting there and it seems to know what to do. It goes to those places in its own strange knowing this one. It touches this one. You know, you wanted it to deal with that, but it doesn't. It deals with this instead. Okay. It sort of seems to have a, its own process. But essentially it's this uh, letting go of the opposing and the favouring is that which wants to hoard, store. And again, a very natural reflex. If I don't store it, I won't have it. If I don't collect it, I'll lose it. <laughs> Remember, whatever you, whatever you collect, you're going to lose. So what about trusting the I won't store it? Ooh. I'll let it be yeah. and something better arises realise even the you know even teachings and so just they're there as, as tools to help you find your own openness as the Buddha said you know when you when you if you use, use the raft to cross the stream, and you liken his teachings to a raft, you cross the stream. So when you get to the other side, don't carry the raft around you. You don't need to store it up, pack it under your arm. Just leave it there. You've crossed. The teachings are like that. You know, just, you know, by all means, you know, do store what seems appropriate or these little tips, techniques, pieces. As long as, they, as long as they cause you to remember your opening, cause you to touch, to refer back again to that property that moved, that rewarded you, and it was yours. It's, it's a, you know, in, figuratively speaking, it's not a self, but it's definitely intimately experienceable. How beautiful you ha that this is there for you. How beautiful to rejoice, I rejoice in that property. Mm.
So these are what are called fetters. Um, we'll just touch on some of the more, perhaps the more apparent ones. And it goes on. <laughs> Conceiving um, and restlessness and ignorance. But enough. I'm not doing a you know, thorough elucidation of all the Buddha's teachings. It's not possible. But to, and maybe not necessary, because if you, once you get the, the gist, the essence, and you can look at these books and things later on, you get the gist of it, and you, you enjoy that, and you realise, in some ways this is can be considered an emptying of self, an emptying of structures, an emptying <coughs> of this clutter and congestions in the mind. I tell you, it's also an incredible feeling. You know, and you see the results often when people begin to experience. You can see them starting to glow. They seem to fill out with what? They're not full of idea, just kind of sense of something luminous starts to help happen for them. I mean, this is true. It just happens. I've seen it, people, and um, you know, even to some degree on retreats, you see people start to this lovely energy starts coming through them. You can see it and hear it. That's it. That's the property of release, the deathless element. Mm. Now, what's that? Is it a state? Not really. It, it can accompany states. States can support that. I would say, by and large, States are necessary to like like tools, like having something that prizes something open or helps to shift something out. But then, what's what's left yeah, is the important piece, and it fills you. This is why the, the lighter you get, the deeper you go, also the stronger you get. But not strong in terms of power and rigidity and structure. You get strong in a sense of something that can't be shaken because it doesn't stand anywhere. Anything that stands can be pushed against, can't it? Even a mountain, even mountains crumble. Even mountains are absolutely secure. And you can't get much stronger <laughs> and tougher and more grounded than a mountain, surely, and even they crumble. Yeah. And the Buddha said, "This is this is this is more strong, more secure than that. But it's not the strength of that uh, of that property, the earth element. This is another kind of strength. This is strength having no stand. Does not take a stand. Does not find a footing. It's described where consciousness does not find a footing." You know what? Well, <laughs> it means that consciousness normally rests upon a visual object, rests upon a tactile object, feeds upon an olfactory object, hmm? moves around a flavour, sampling it, tasting it, resisting it, favouring it, opposing it, crystallises around an idea, enjoys, relishes the idea, adds more to it takes a footing, establishes itself upon that idea, that theory, that belief, establishes itself, 
creates, holds it, creates someone out of that who is belongs to that idea. We become a believer in something. Yeah? That's then out of that initial holding crystallizes this whole structure, yeah, which becomes myself and it seeks firmness. And you can see this particularly the the you know the most some of the most ugly things that human beings attach to is dogma. Right? What is a dogma? Can you eat a dogma? Hot dogma? <laughs> Must have my hot dogma. People do eat dogmas <laughs> and swallow them whole. And you know can you can just recollect the amount of barbarism that's occurred and is occurring over dogma. I don't just mean religious dogma, political dogma. What's that? What does it mean? What is it? It's nothing. Apart from a holding. A holding and a building and a seeking security, an establishment of self, a firming up, a rigidity and a lack of empathy that means now I have oh, I am this dogma, this gives me the right to do whatever to anything else from this position. How ugly can you get? How ugly can you get? Mm-hmm. And you see plenty of places you can see this. Consciousness takes a stand, finds a footing, accumulates, gathers, builds, and it builds this structure. Mm-hmm. It's an energetic structure. Seems to make me firm, seems to make me confident, seems to make me invincible. Puff. Yeah. Paper tiger. How strong are those people in the face of sickness and death? How fragile. No, this is not the way. When consciousness does not take a footing, does not relish, does not resist, does not establish itself upon a sight, a sound, a thought, a perception, mm-hmm. this, the Buddha said, this is, this is release, this is sublime. Consciousness does not turn back. This is trackless. This is, yeah. I could throw more words into it if you like, but I don't want to keep doing that. Um, because it may be as mystifying as it is elucidating. But in pragmatic terms, just acknowledge this tendency, you know, just what happens. We see something, and there's that shimmering around it, perhaps, and there's the firming it up, and there's a sense of this, there's me and there's you, right? That's this original, you might say the original footing, the subjective sense, it's not, and then, oh, it's so-and-so, so-and-so, and here am I, and then, oh, what does she want, and how am I with her, and, you know, and then if you've got other issues going, that comes on top of that, doesn't it? You know, oh, she's one of those, oh, I know what to do with those kinds of people, and so on, and so on, and so on, right? You can feel it building up, right? And <coughs> Maybe on retreat it doesn't feel very far because we're encouraging this is just another subjectivity, experiencing, you know, sorrow, joy, happiness, seeking security, just like me, 
getting you know so we start to at least cap that 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 building and you can you can do it you don't have to have all this intense structure going you can live much more happily more lightly just mutual subjects and this is called the mundane deliverance because we're still allowing that sense of there's somebody there and here am I and that's that but once you be even getting a sense of that just the, taking it down a little bit further who, who is that? you know if you begin to soften the perceptions and the ideas it's visual it's something happens in the heart doesn't it there's a kind of ripple resonance that's 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 where she is that's who he is it's that ripple okay mm. now trusting that soothing opening softening that it's not really this isn't meant to be not getting rid of people it's just the more that that can soften then the more we can allow people enjoy people be with that and let it move through yeah, this is very beautiful the forms and the tendency to acknowledge the opposing those moments when we resist or favor and how appropriate that is and they just stay stay in the opening in one's can be experiencing one's heart one's energy this you can rely upon and the deathless in this in this domain dispassion somebody's asking about dispassion sounds what's that well for a start it's a word so you've got to be very careful with it you know what words do <laughs> yeah? have you noticed that <laughs> well they do all things they wriggle around and do all kinds of numbers on you there's <laughs> 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 a Pali word viraga and raga is a kind of flaring up uh, you know, Indian music is written in ragas, they're kind of general flows of, of emotional energy rising up, raga. But, uh, I, you know, Indian music is very beautiful actually. But um, to what's being referred to is a certain firing up. Um, yeah. And this is the beginning of, you see, the, the, the formation really, you know, how things form, there's a, there's a flaring up. Viraga is the non-doing that, just the opening to Now it may sound, dispassion may sound like cold, because in English it can have those nuances, so cold, indifferent, blank. But it arises, so dependent upon Viveka, the more there is that movement, back into, from the sense contact into the energy qualities of being, of becoming, where there's the rippling and the, and the you know, the retracting and the, and the opening, moving into that, Viveka, and then you feel that, that pulsing and, and then just softening, cooling, opening. Uh, this is dispassion. It's a quality of energy. 
And the beauty of it is this passion can hold a lot more than passion. It can widen a whole lot more than passion. Now passion of course gets all the headlines. Yeah. But you know I don't know what turns you on, but in terms of passion. But could you do it all day long <laughs> without getting exhausted? <laughs> Your passion is flying kites or get excited about it or going to fairgrounds or music. Just how long does it go on for you? Think, Oof, we'll go now, I've had enough of that. <laughs> and how many experiences can you put into that passion box? Riding motor cars, you know, driving bikes. Uh, this guy whose passion was collecting bikes, you know, loved motorbikes. His erotic glee at motorbikes. <laughs> he loved them. And he had, um, when I met him casually as it happened, and I was walking past this guy's shed in the garage and he was standing, I asked him for directions, and he had these bikes. Oh, bikes, oh yeah, come look at me bikes. He said, look at this one. This is a Kawasaki 750, he said, this guy, nuts gleaming on this thing. He said, yeah, and this one's a Ducati. So, so, so. It's because at 200 miles an hour, this thing. It's a beautiful, glossy red, painted it, sprayed it, touched it up. And he said, you know, I've got another one back here. He said, I think he says, I've got these three. My wife says, if I get any more, she's going to leave me. <laughs> <laughs> said, what she doesn't know, he said, come next door. Oh, there's another three that she hasn't told her about. <laughs> and you can see it's kind of lit up with his, with his bikes. You know? Okay. You know? Uh-huh. Passion. Raga. And so, but then of course, when it's around the bikes, his wife's not getting much of the juice, is she? <laughs> so it crystallises around certain objects, passion. And you, you know, you, if you've got a passion for bikes, well, sorry, dear, you know. <laughs> and, uh, then it, it gets very hypnotic. It's the glow descends upon something, and this is this is the only thing for me. Well, you know, that's pretty limited, if you ask me. And dispassion is now you can widen to experience subtler and subtler senses and textures and qualities, you know, and more peaceful because the glow hasn't crystallized around one particular thing, it's become a soft luminosity that isn't riveted to craving and gratification and selfhood. It's, it's, you know, the light, instead of being stuck on that candle flame, has softened and left. Mm-hmm. Like a fire gone out, it says. Like a fire gone out. Mm-hmm. Now, you may think that means just snuff the candle, (laughs) but in in the Indian understanding, Mm. fire was a continual, one of the main properties, always present, and it descends onto a candle, and you get the flame. The fire element descends onto the candle. The word upadana refers to the action of the property descending onto something, yeah? 
So that's called upadana. It attaches, it binds, it feeds on a particular thing, a piece of wood, a candle. The, the fire has descended onto that. That's called clinging or upadana, and that's the movement of raga. The movement of iraga is the fire element leaves or expands beyond the flame into something that's no longer visible. The property, you know, and this is in the Indian way of thinking, remains, but it has not descended, it has not clung, it has not caught hold, right? It has not taken a finite form, therefore it can't be damaged because it, it takes no footing, it does not establish it upon itself, upon anything. And the, the Buddha commented, he said, you know, just imagine a, a ray of sunlight coming through the, through the window and it lands on the wall, right? So now take the wall away, where does the sunlight land? Oh, lands on the earth, okay, take the earth away. Where does the sunlight land? And they, in those days, they imagined the Earth was sitting, I think, in the great ocean. Lands on the water. Take the water away. Where does it land? It doesn't land anywhere. Yes, he said. This is the end of suffering. He doesn't say, you know, we we switch off the sun. Does not land. Consciousness does not take a footing. Does not find a footing. Does not need a footing. Mm-hmm. so then it doesn't build up so you know maybe this is a bit abstruse but essentially what, what I'm trying to point to is the quality property of release which even in the language sounds like we're kind of we're getting rid of something yeah well you could say it like that and in a way it's true but also when you focus on as a property in its own right you experience it actually as a subtle presence uh, that you can't really pin, but you find your heart feels comfort and trust in that, and you don't quite know why, but you incline that way. (coughs) And it helps to give what's needed to just have the courage to move against the fear and the sorrow, yeah, and the guilt. It, requires, it gives you the courage that your willpower can't do, doesn't work, where your willpower doesn't work, where power doesn't work. It's like the way that water penetrates, subtly penetrates. It's like that. The property of release, the deathless element, is to be understood is to have confidence in, is to thoroughly enjoy and set going. Mm. So I offer this for your reflection.